The unseen and unknown world is something that a lot of us spend quite a bit of time thinking about, especially those of us that consume filmed entertainment like it's popcorn. It seems like every other day there's either a TV series or a film about a serial killer or about the supernatural. Ghosts, phantoms, shadows, specters, visions, eidolons, <laughs> wraiths, whatever you want to call them, a lot of Americans seem to believe in them, though the number of Americans who believe in ghosts seems to vary depending on your source. Today, I'm going to talk about that with my special guest, Mr. Bob Lament, who is the creator and host of the Static Radio podcast, as well as the Everywhere is Haunted YouTube channel. We're going to talk about ghosty stuff today. Hello, Mr. Lament. Thank you for joining me. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing quite well. I'm always in the mood for a little a little spook. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, everybody could use a scare every once in a while. I'd like to thank Mr. Lament for joining me today and of course everybody out there for listening. Don't forget you can subscribe to this podcast, I say again. Uh, and if you like what we do, you can donate via our Buy Me a Coffee page. You leave the world behind and enter a large chamber filled with boxes and crates as far as the eye can see. Welcome to The Conspiracy Clearinghouse. The podcast that takes a rather skeptical look at conspiracies and mysteries. Each episode will examine various conspiracy theories, most of which are not true, a few of which might be a little bit true, and even a couple that turned out, in fact, to be true. There are many boxes in the clearinghouse, and along the way, we'll look at some mysteries and hoaxes as well. We dare to look behind the curtain that's behind the curtain. I'm your host, Derek DeWitt. Welcome to the Conspiracy Clearinghouse. So, Mr. Lament, uh, let's start off with a, a bit of your background. You have been enmeshed in the World Wide Web, if I may say, uh, for quite some time. You started the Static Radio podcast way back in 1999. Yeah, yeah. So we've been, uh, uh, my partner Miles and I have been doing a show on the internet since uh, January 1999. We uh, used to do a show on college radio. At the time, I had uh, access to things that maybe others didn't because we had a real media server uh, that I had access to and I could put audio on the internet that way, if anybody remembers that. And so I said, why don't we do do what we used to do in college uh, and he said yeah sure sounds good you know he's he's actually not the technological part of the group he always t calls himself the talent uh and then i i do the uh, technical things uh for the show but uh we started recording and basically we've done it every week for the most part since then uh since uh you know january 1999 we started out and every week we have a show but it was kind of an interesting situation because there wasn't a lot of, of those kind of things going on at that time so look Looking back now, I'm like, wow, this is kind of wild because we're in our 24th year of doing this. And uh, I would have never thought we would do more than, you know, maybe a half dozen or something. But you always surprise yourself. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, yeah, you guys really were sort of pioneering 
in this. And I will say, uh, and don't don't take offense at this, but uh, nowadays with the podcast world so uh, jam packed full of. Um, I'm going to call it content because that's the term, I guess. But there are a lot of podcasts, and the vast majority of them are two guys sitting around shooting the shit. And the fact that we have so many of these podcasts now on the web today, we can kind of blame you a little bit. <laughs> I guess, maybe. I don't know if anybody if anybody's emulating what we're doing. But I've been asked in the past, what were you trying to do? And basically, we were just trying to recreate what we did in college radio. And uh, I guess if I had to have somebody who I would say was, uh, you know, kind of the the thing that I was moving, you know, towards would be Stephen Gary on uh, WLS Radio in Chicago. If anybody can remember them way back when they had a show uh, back in the 80s and were very popular at the time. And, and uh, that's probably more uh, akin to that. Uh, but Miles and I actually do try to tell a story each week. We do shoot the shit. I will tell you, I will admit to that. Um, but at the, the very least, we always at least try to have some type of story of something that's happened to give it a little bit more structure. But uh, I will admit that we do shoot a lot of shit. So, uh, so you've been doing that for a long time. And then about a year ago, you started this Everywhere is Haunted YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. Quite a, a, a different kind of a thing uh, altogether. And it, first off, about a year ago, what was it? Was this just a COVID lockdown? Like, man, I'm bored. Let's go out to St. James Cemetery in Edwardsville and, uh, you know, see what's out there. Well, I'll tell you, it, again, this it goes back to basically just uh, some weird interests of mine. As my wife would say, you watch a lot of stupid shows on ghost hunting. And I do, and I love to watch them because it's always very funny to me to watch these shows. And Everywhere is Haunted came out of basically I was having a conversation with some friends. And actually, it kind of lends into your uh, area a little bit. I'm like, if these ghost shows are real and they believe what they're saying, then everywhere is haunted. <laughs> That's true. And so I, that came out and I'm like, oh, everywhere is haunted. I should see if anybody has that you know, URL. And they didn't. And so I grabbed it and I'm like, okay, now what am I going to do? And I said, I have this now. I had, you know, the idea that everywhere is haunted. What can I do with it? And so I said, what if I just randomly went to some places and did a little test and see if it was haunted? I'm following basically the premise of everywhere is haunted is that what a what a paranormal researchers tell us is true. And every where we live, people live and die, right? If they travel through there, they should leave some kind of energy and it should be possibly haunted. So I take my stuff out. I actually acquired this uh, equipment after the idea and I take stuff out and I'm, I go and I ask a few questions. I came up with a simple, uh, I think 13 questions just to be, you know, on point for uh, irony. And uh, I ask the questions usually and I see if anything happens. And so far, nothing has happened. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's it. <laughs> You've got, I think when you have 15, you have 15 videos so far and you're like, well, so far, bupkis. That's it. Nothing's. And, and I mean, I've done, I've gone to places that are supposedly haunted. They have a history of being known as haunted. And I've been going to a little bit more of those here lately. 
um, just for fun, if not for anything else. And Miles is kind of, he likes these kind of things too. And we've uh, actually met up to go to, a, he wanted to go to the devil's chair and uh, in uh, Decatur at, um, trying to remember the name of the uh, cemetery. Greenwood. Greenwood, Greenwood, yeah. I grew up in Decatur and Greenwood Cemetery was kind of notorious. And so we met up in Greenwood Cemetery and and went to the devil's chair and did a little thing. And I thought, well, this is good for everywhere it's haunted because we'll see if anything happens nothing happened um but it was a fun little jaunt you know we had lunch together and uh it was a good day but uh so far yeah nothing has happened in everywhere is haunted to say that everywhere is haunted nowhere is haunted nowhere might be haunted maybe that's the next website nowhere is haunted i mean at least it's a good excuse to get out of the house on a on a semi-sunny day now of course i notice all your places that you've been to so far are in uh illinois i'm gonna make a wild guess with that and your uh chicago references that you're uh you're in illinois yeah, yeah. I live uh, outside of St. Louis, uh, Missouri, uh, down in southern uh, southwestern Illinois. For some reason in Illinois, you don't want to say you're from southern Illinois. So you say, I'm from southwestern Illinois. <laughs> but anyway, that's a whole other. Oh, that's, that's somehow better. That West just adds so much more cachet. It's separate. Everybody has to separate themselves in some way, shape or form. Yes. We have to differentiate. I'm the same way. I'm a Californian, but I, we we Northern Californians really, really, really dislike Los Angeles. So we we are at pains to let people know. No, I'm from Northern California, not from Succo, Los Angeles. So you've you've been to all these places and you choose them. It sounds like you're choosing them mainly from your own mind or from conversations with people you know. Like, oh yeah, there's that place supposed to be haunted. Well, let's go check it out. Do you have any other resources that you use for choosing locations? There's actually some apps. I've got an app called Haunted or Not. I got an app called Haunted Maps and then uh, Roadside America, which is always good for something. I think it's called Roadside Attraction now. But um, I scour, you know, the the different uh, apps that are out there that have something on them for places. Because some of these places I didn't even realize anybody thought they were haunted. And uh, and so I'll go by there. And sometimes like one of them, I don't know if you looked over the early ones. I was sitting outside of Taco Bell. I was going to say, your third one is a KFC Taco Bell. And I was like, really? Is that haunted? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just said everywhere. That was the premise. And so I went around to places. I think I went to a car wash. And so it, it seemed like uh, as I left the house, I would try to do a random ones. And then uh, uh, here lately, it seems that uh, if people want to go with me, then we end up going to places that are actually uh, marked as haunted because they kind of want to go see them. And I'm like, yeah, I'll go there. Um, but by myself, I kind of just randomly would go around places and see what what I would get. And I got a rim pod and a K2 meter that I utilize uh, for this endeavor. And both of those things are supposedly you know sensitive to uh, you know electronic interference or the magnetic spectrum in some way, shape, or form. So that's kind of the reason I picked them because they're a little bit more, at least there's some thought that goes into it as opposed to this. Uh, I'm very against the uh, the talk box or whatever they call it, where they basically picks random radio stations and plays noises. And because I think, what is the logic in that? I mean, if a ghost can pick a radio station, then why don't they 
do something else. You know, it seemed to me that in the natural world that the electricity and the magnetic sphere would be something that seems a little more logical in its idea than uh, just people randomly throwing words. It'd be like, for instance, if they had a, a thing for podcasts that just randomly shuffled podcasts and pulled words out of the podcast, how would they even know they're going to say that? There's no logic to that. Right. Yeah, right. Even though that does sound like an interesting Dadaist exercise now that you say that. There are so many podcasts out there. So, so uh, idea, somebody listening, go out there and make a podcast made up of random sections of other podcasts. Give it a wash and uh, and see if uh, you can make it all make some kind of abstract sense. It's poetry. It may be, that may be able to predict the future. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Basically, as a as a human being, we're, we're all electrical. There's electric electricity running through us and there's uh, via our nerves and so forth. So I think that might be coming from that. That's my guess. I don't think any of the shows ever really explain it you know we uh, as ourselves you know hold an electric charge and transfer things and and so forth and so it's not uh unheard of then to take that but i don't think anybody ever really talks about that to be honest with you um in any of the shows yeah i think you're probably right you know i'm from northern california so obviously i know a lot of people who believe in you know ghosts and fairies and the efficacy of um you know crystals and things like this but um you know, I've always made the same argument. Yes, yes, we do have electricity running through us, but we also have a lot of blood. So, I mean, does that mean if if we're doing this almost sympathetic magic kind of uh, assumption, wouldn't it make just as much sense to hunt for ghosts with, I don't know, some raw steaks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could, you could squeeze out a raw steak and... Uh... Maybe it spells out the words, you know, solve my murder. I mean, that's as good as, uh, I don't know, burning something and then wiping the ash on something, I suppose. So let's talk about your methodology. Uh, what you've done is you you go to a place, you say, we're at this place, make sure there's silence, kind of that's your that's your uh, set. Okay, boom, we're, this, is, this is what we're doing. Then you ask your 13 questions and then you do a little wrap up. So the 13 questions are, and are they always in the same order? Yes, yeah, and actually, I can I can uh, bring that up here. Let me. I got to get on my. I have it on my phone so that that way I uh, don't forget them. It's a formula. I ask these thirteen questions in the same order, and I try to give some, you know, a little bit of pause to if anybody wants to say anything. Uh, and it's anyone. Is anyone here? Are you alone? Who is with you? Are you male? Are you female? What is your name? Where are you from? Are you looking for someone? What is your profession or was your profession? What year do you think it is? Why are you here? What do you want? And should I leave? And so it's 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 basically what I would, you know, other than maybe uh, asking people uh, their gender and so forth, it, it's kind of like a little conversation you might have if you ran into somebody at the grocery store. Hey, what are you doing? You know, you know, on these shows, if you if you watch enough of them, I mean, that usually comes into play somewhere, and they always love to draw a line between a response, any kind of you know reaction that they can uh, tease out of that into a, a person who may or may not have been there at that point in time. Oh, well, this is obviously Nikola Tesla. He was here on this day, you know, in, uh, in the late, uh, in the early 1900s. 
And uh, and he's here telling us, you know, that we need to look for his death ray. Yeah, exactly. Or I heard a I heard a sound on my little recording device, and I swear it's the Hungarian word for go away. My son, um, he thinks this is all, you know, uh, nutty, but he he has witnessed this over my obsession over time. And he goes, how come none of them ever speak in another language? Why is it always English? And I go, you know what? I know. I don't think they really thought of that. They need to throw some Spanish in there. I mean, you know, most of these ghosts should be speaking Spanish. That's true. Or at least some of them or, you know, like Illinois, Pennsylvania, that area, German. No, German. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We had a lot of German uh, settlers uh, and I'm not too. Actually, that Taco Bell uh, is in a town that was predominantly German. So uh, you think, yeah. Or, or the other thing is, well, how come they can always speak modern English as opposed to English as it was at their time period, because people don't speak the same. They don't speak the same now that we did in the 1700s or the 1800s, even for that fact. So yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. When it, when a, when a supposedly 300 year old ghost says, Oh, give me a break. You think, okay, I, I don't believe this. Yeah. I have a healthy skepticism to all this, but, uh, and actually, to be honest with you, part of it where everywhere is haunted came from was that uh, Miles and I, my partner for Static Radio, we actually did a, a spoofy ghost show called Tri-State Ghost Patrol. And uh, we put together a video call where we, where we picked a random restaurant and went and had lunch and then looked for ghosts inside the restaurant. That was the, uh, the premise behind that uh, thing. It was just, Tri-State Ghost Patrol is a little harder to keep doing because we don't live anywhere near each other. And uh, Everywhere is Haunted kind of was an easier spin on on a little bit of that. Uh, and I didn't I didn't go get Tri-State Ghost Patrol's uh, URL and because I, I didn't think it was really that good, but that's what we came up with at the time. So it's, it's, it is a good title, but I think Everywhere is Haunted is is better, you know. So, you know, it's interesting that, like you said, there's so many of these programs out there on television just so many ghost hunting programs and they they are always it's the same it's just various levels of you know sorry anybody who's a fan or who creates them but various levels of um lameness let's just be honest uh nothing is ever proven uh the people it's like they you know talk about confirmation bias it's like watching confirmation bias happen in real time. I saw one once because I was doing research uh, for something. You could tell from watching it that the guy with the host, not the cameraman, not the guy, the host guy, but the third guy, I guess he had some of the equipment. He like bumped into the wall, but then they all pretended that he didn't bump into the wall. And they said, ooh, that was a noise, that was a noise. And yet you can see him bump into the wall. Like they didn't even edit that part out of the video. And you're just like... Are you are you doing what we used to do when we were kids and, and like psyching yourselves out because it's fun or like, why are these people doing this? I, I don't understand. Is it just for the very low level notoriety of, yeah, I'm a ghost expert. Oh, OK. Say 10 people. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I, I I always wonder. So most of the stuff that I do is with an awareness that I'm not going to get a result, right? There's not, and nothing's going to happen. 
But I think the logic for the companies is it's very cheap content to create and people will watch it. That's the business side of it. I think on the person side of it, if people are very serious about it, I'm assuming they've had uh, some type of uh, events that led them there. I would hope so. Otherwise, there are more on the business side of it. Um, but, and I, there's a varying levels of these shows that I will tolerate, right? So some of them like the one you mentioned uh, with the bumping into the wall and stuff. I don't like that so much. I don't, I like the people who are trying, who see at least seem because, you know, television is not a sincere form of art uh, in the commercial sense, but the people who seem to sincerely be trying to do something, I, I typically, even if they never find anything in the whole episode, I think it becomes the interaction between the people so they, they become the story, right? And then they also tell you a little history. I'm very big into history. And I love to go to these places, if for nothing else, but for the history. Um, because it, it's fascinating to hear about these things. Because typically, you know, the ha- places that are haunted aren't average places. They're not normal places. Something has happened, you know, be it gruesome or uh, otherwise. There's some, you know, some kind of incident in the past has taken place. And that's what, you know, gives birth to this idea that it's haunted. Oddly enough, uh, theaters seem to be one of the places where things are haunted more than other places. And you mentioned energy. This is always my biggest gripe on all these shows is they the people who constantly talk about energy as if as if it's something. I mean, it has to be quantifiable. That's why I kind of gravitate towards the K2 and so forth, because essentially those are instruments measuring something in the air, right? It, now, that can be in the air no matter if there's a ghost or in or nothing around, for instance, you know, you know, we only see our world in uh, the visual spectrum. We don't see, you know, radio frequencies. We don't see our Wi-Fi that's all around us constantly. We don't see all of these other things, infrared, you know, ultraviolet um, that are all happening around us. Right. But whenever they just use the word energy, right, as a generic thing that always bothers me, I'm like, what energy which energy we have gamma rays you you have things that are detectable that you can get instruments to find out what it is you know it could be radiation these are detectable things don't just say the word energy and expect everybody to fall in line it energy is just a generic word it's not you have to be definable and People that talk about all that, those aren't as entertaining to me. They just aggravate me because they use that word way too much. Um, When there are real things that are out there in the world that are measurable, that have names, you use those, don't. Right. We have this huge language. English is the largest vocabulary of any language in the world. Use it. Yeah, use exactly. Get a book. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, right. Get a dictionary. Get a thesaurus. Get out there. Yeah, we don't need to just hear the word energy. Well, they had a lot. I'm giving you my energy. No, I'm giving you nothing. I mean, I. I'm giving you my attention and some of my body heat. Yeah, (laughs) maybe. (laughs) Exactly. Though, you know, like uh, I can't remember who it was, but a famous physicist once said, there are really only two things in the universe, energy and matter. Matter, and I'm not so sure about matter. <laughs> there you go. So that's the that's the argument the New Agers always make is like, but everything's energy. But as you said, yes, but what kind? What kind of energy? <laughs> So you said, talking of energy, you said that you're not using, so you do use an EMF or you don't? EMF detector. What is it? How does it work? Because you say K2, I think of 
the second highest mountain in the world, you know. That's just the name of it, I guess. Basically, it's supposed to be uh, detecting electromagnetic fluctuations. And then it's got several little LEDs and they go from obviously green to red. And if you get into the red, that means there's a lot of fluctuation where if you're in the green, that's kind of more normal or, you know, a lot of times mostly there's nothing, but usually you may get one or one green light or two green lights. And then when it goes, if it goes in the red, then something's, you know, the, the, your environment is, is being affected by something. It could be random, but uh, a lot of times what people do on these shows is they attribute, you know, they ask a question and then they see if they, they get a result. And then just like, you know, if they were taking it to the scientific uh, model, then they would ask the same question, see if they got the same result. But I don't know if they ever ever really do that. I think not because I don't think they're uh, exploring. I think they're they're trying to confirm something that they already believe is true. Yeah, just like the old spiritualists uh, from the uh, turn of the century. Yeah, though I believe their their main purpose uh, and motivation was in fact to to bilk people out of their money. This is why Houdini hated them so much. Well, but if you think about it in the terms of these shows, then that's probably the same purpose. Uh, just the, more uh, more entertainment. So speaking of belief, uh, you know, it's interesting. There was a uh, sort of a poll done not terribly long ago by YouGov, and the statistics they came with were uh, up with were quite surprising. They their numbers are they say two in five Americans, so forty percent of Americans believe ghosts are real, and half of them say they've actually seen a ghost. Compare that to People Magazine, and it's funny, the more populist the source, the higher the number. They say over 50%. They actually said 63% believe in uh, the paranormal in some way, shape, or form. 57% believe in ghosts. Now, that's quite a spread, 40 to 57%. So you have to wonder what the questions are and so on. The most interesting thing about that to me is that no matter who you're looking at, where the statistics come from, when you talk about ghosts, you get anywhere from, say, I've even seen numbers as low as 20%. So let's say somewhere between 20 and 60% of Americans believe in ghosts. But the number of people who believe in demons is higher. And 73% of Americans believe angels are actual real beings. So I'm kind of like, that's very interesting that uh, of those categories, werewolves and vampires and demons and angels and ghosts, of them all, ghost to me seems like the most reasonable possibility because, well, maybe, maybe they're ghosts, especially if they don't have their own volition, if they're just kind of uh, recordings, if there's some sort of electromagnetic recording uh, on I don't know, basically the electromagnetic fields or there was talk a few years ago that they thought that certain paint that was being used, it was a lead and silicon based paint that was being used on the interiors of Victorian homes uh, seemed to capture electromagnetic patterns. And uh, when they went into some supposedly haunted houses and they stripped away that paint and put modern paint up, latex paint or what have you, without the silicon and, and lead in it, the hauntings went away, which kind of suggested, well, maybe they are, if they are real, they are some kind of a recording, maybe. Or maybe that the, those uh, electromagnetic anomalies affect your brain in a way that make you believe that. I think it's articles out there that basically your brain is wired to believe in God, right? Uh, God, however you want to make God be, 
you are in your brain, you have this, you know, biased that you believe in it. It's built into your, uh, you know, chemistry. So same kind of thing. I think that some of this has to do with um, uh, a lot of old houses have bad wiring and probably have a lot of uh, electricity that's uh, beyond the wire, you know? So if you go to, um, it, we don't experience that so much in our house so much as we do like out in, whenever you're by the pylon. So stray electricity from the uh, servicing lines is dangerous and and has killed things that are around them like cows and so forth in fields. Uh, and so my guess is that some of this can uh, affect the way that you perceive uh, the world. Um, and that could be part of the problem. And I think that that's, again, why some of these, we talked about the gadgets, where some of these gadgets actually uh, detect some of that because it's, it, it is a real thing. It is something that is happening. You had mentioned that you uh, you did in fact uh, have or you have had some some eyebrow raising experiences that you're like I don't really know what to think about that. So tell us about your spooky stuff. So uh, probably one of the uh, spookiest things that has happened to me actually was in, within the last uh, four years. So um, my house burnt down uh, about, four, about three years ago, four years ago. Yikes. Ac- accidentally, I assume. Especially if the insurance company is listening. It was totally an accident. Accidentally, yes. Accidentally. But we had to go into, uh, we rented a house to live in during the reconstruction of, of our house. And this wasn't a spooky house. It was like a house built in the late 90s. A very nice house that we went into. The first night we were in this house, I wake up in the night, probably about 3.30 in the morning, and I see a person who I interpreted as outside the window looking into the house. And I'm like, you know, what the heck is going on? But I, I'm really exhausted because basically we had just a whirlwind of activity and, and um, uh, all kinds of things that make you so exhausted during something like that that I looked at it for a while. It didn't appear to be doing anything. The person didn't appear to be doing anything. And I just went back to sleep. And I told my wife about this in the morning. She's like, what is wrong with you, right? You know. And I go, I think that creepy next door neighbor that we met was pe- peeking in the window last night. And she's like, what are you talking about? Why didn't you tell me? You know. And I'm like, I don't know. I was so tired. I, I kind of just picked my head up. Well, the next night, my son comes to me and he says i'm not imagining this a shadow came into my room last night and tried to grab my leg oh inside the room inside it came through the door appeared on the door and moved towards him and he reacted and 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 got out of there and you know then it was gone and i go oh okay so at this point we're stuck in this house for a year and now I've got a kid who thinks something's coming after him, which I also saw, but I did not let him know this. So he hadn't heard the something something was looking at me in the window story. No, no. Ah. No. Uh-uh. I, I kept it to my. I told my wife about it. I kept it to myself. I told her to keep it to herself. Everybody's freaked out at this point, not because of the shadow people but because of the circumstance you know it's a a, it's incredibly traumatic for something like this to happen to somebody Uh, even though it's not physical 
mentally, I mean, so much is going on that you, you know, it's hard to imagine if you've not been through it. So I did not say anything to him. My wife didn't say anything to him. He tells me, and I kind of, I had to be, you know, the voice of reason father figure and say, oh, I'm sure it was nothing. You're probably tired, dozing off. You just imagine this, right? And in the back of my mind, I'm like, holy fuck, this kid saw the same thing I did. Uh, it's interesting. I've, I've been poking around in the shadow people uh, mythology, and it's it's interesting. And, uh, and, and by no means am I saying this is the case for you, but I, I have noticed that people who claim that they're sort of haunted by them, because this is a trope from movies and, and books, it, it very often seems to be associated with, not always, but often, associated with the onset of paranoid schizophrenia, which is, is where these signals from the brain, almost like a dream, get misinterpreted as coming from uh, external sources and, and this and this. But that's interesting. And you had this happen one night after another. Did it happen more times or was that it? For me, that was it. It happened the one time. Uh, my son, though, encountered this, uh, uh, this thing uh, multiple times during our stay. It was more toward the front end of our stay than the, but then he started staying up later and later. So I don't know that that wasn't part of, <laughs> he got so tired that he would not go to sleep, you know, but he, he did see it and he would tell me about it. He said, oh, I saw it again in the laundry room. And I'm like, oh, okay. I said, again, you know, now there is a, a, an issue um, that I did take into account because people under extreme uh, duress or trauma will see these things. Okay. So you mentioned the schizophrenia angle. They've documented this, that that people have seen these things basically um, uh, over time whenever they've had something happen. And so we had something happen. So yeah, I was going to say, for example, your house burns down. Right. Yeah. It's very traumatic. You have a lot of uh, racing thoughts because you, you know, how am I going to deal with this? Because it's not a normal situation. And there's a lot of, you know, negativity. When your house burns down, a lot of negative things happen because they just happen. But um, he saw it a couple more times over the time. And I, you know, kind of talked him off of it and everything. But some other things that happened was then uh, we would hear noises in the basement. Uh, there's nothing. There's that, this house is empty, right? The basement's unfinished. There is nothing in the basement because we have nothing. We literally, anything we have in this house, we purchased uh, when we got there. Uh, there is nothing. So there's noises. Uh, we ended up uh, getting a dog because all of our pets had died in this fire. And so we got a dog uh, because we want, we had animals and we like animals. And and the dog would not go to a certain part of the basement whenever he went down there. He would go down there to play because there's a big open area. And we'd throw a ball and so forth. Would not go in a corner of the basement. The dog we just got, and not like this dog had been there and somebody beat him in that corner. <laughs> Nothing like that. The dog has no other history to this house, less history to this house than we do at that point because he came along uh, a few a month or so after we got there. So, um, but yeah, it was the weirdest thing, and I've never been able to shake it because I do kind of buy into the traumatic aspect of things. But the fact that my son, who uh, generally would stay up later than the rest of us anyway, 
um, had these encounters uh, more than once. Uh, the only one time that it tried to grab him, the other times he just saw it walking around the house. But it, but then this presence uh, in a in the basement where you could go down there, but I mean, we what are you going to do? Hang out in the basement? It's just a basement. But the dog wouldn't go over there for the ball. It was very weird kind of experience. And that, and like you know, maybe there's something to now. I've I've at this point in my life, I experienced all this you know popular culture. And everything. And so I'm trying to understand all this because it really was, it was very um, strange. But then I did never, nothing ever happened again for me after that. Nothing ever happened for my wife ever. It was just my son and I had this kind of shared thing without any kind of communication between the two of us on it. So I don't know what that means, what it is, but it was very real at the time. And I can't think of a way other than the trauma of what had happened to explain away anything. And there was a creepy neighbor, to be honest with you. We had a creepy neighbor there that loved to come over and talk. And anyway, I wasn't real into that either. But so, you know, my, my first assessment of it, that the creepy neighbor was outside the window was probably pretty accurate from my mind at that point in time. So it's interesting. I, I think a lot of people have had, let's call them anomalous events. I've had a couple of anomalous events in, in my life where I still to this day go, so what did happen that one night or what have you? And I, and I know it wasn't just, you know, that I'd taken way too much acid or whatever, whatever, whatever the thing was, you know, what's very interesting to me is that so many people will have an anomalous thing, but they, they already have a belief system sort of in place that they can just slot it into. You know what I mean? Like, oh, there was a shadowy figure outside my window. You immediately think, I wonder if it was that creepy neighbor. Uh, but someone someone who is really heavy into, you know, religion might go, oh my God, it's a demon. Especially if they maybe have a guilty conscience about something. Uh, you know, like they already slotted into a belief system and it just helps reinforce that belief system and I think the the trick here, I mean, what you're doing with everything is haunted, I think is quite nice because you're still asking questions. You're doing the, the you know, in a low level, but still you're doing, that's the scientific method is we're not seeking answers. We're seeking resolutions to question A so that we can ask more questions and, and thus get a clearer picture of how things work uh, as opposed to trying to close off questions by slotting things into pre-existing belief systems. Yeah, and, and just looking for clues. I mean, just anything and not attributing that to something that's that's already in existence. So, oh, you know, old man Withers died here. And so this is old man Withers. I, you can't you can't make that. Right. Obviously, that's old man Withers. You're like, maybe or maybe there's a dead cat under the floor. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, that that one of those things, you know, they have animal hauntings, but they're they're not quite as uh, common as people hauntings, you know. So I, I literally just yesterday read uh, an article about uh, some supposed paranormal investigators trying to seek out a um, a, a cat ghost. And they, like you, they have questions that they ask, but they had to adapt them for the circumstances. And one of the questions was, can you purr for us? <laughs> can you imagine? Like a ghostly. Well, not to mention, I mean, how many mice or insects or, you know, small, you know, rodents die everywhere and supposedly leave their energy in that spot. I mean, it, it, it would be overwhelming. 
this was in uh, May 2005. And what happened was it was in the afternoon. And it involves my my children again, but it's when they were much younger. So we had a swing set. My kids wanted to swing in the afternoon. We had just got home. My one child was in school. My other one wasn't. Uh, for some reason, I was there with them. I don't remember the reasoning why, uh, to be honest with you. But I was outside pushing them on the swing. Now, my son was uh, probably, I don't know, three or four years old at that point in time. And he had an interest in airplanes. And we lived near an Air Force base at that point. And planes would go by all, all the time for the Air Force base, as well as just regular commercial traffic. And so each time a plane would go over, we would, you know, hey, look, you know, buddy, there's a plane, la, la, la. And, you know, he thought that was the greatest thing. So... We're swinging and so forth. And then I look up because there's a helicopter that is flying in it. And so I'm looking and this helicopter looks to be like, um, it, it looks very uh, homemade, right? It's, it's one of those bubble front kind of helicopters. It's not very sleek. And uh, I'm like, oh, there's a helicopter. And then I look above, like the helicopter's flying at whatever helicopters fly at, not very high. And then I look above and there is a sphere it looks like a silverish, you know, reflective sphere cutting through the clouds at, I'm just guessing at approximately 30,000 feet. And it's going from uh, the um, uh, east towards the west at a very high rate of speed. I mean, not like uh, a bullet or anything, but you know, faster than a plane would go. And I'm like, uh, and I just kind of froze. I'm still swinging my kids. <laughs> and I'm just watching this thing as it goes across the sky and goes out of sight. And it, there, it wasn't, you know, and everybody I've told this story to are like, oh, well, you just saw the front of a plane. No, it wasn't the front of a plane. I saw the whole thing. It was a, a, a ball. It was a, a sphere. It was. It looked three dimensional. It glinted in the sun. It, I seen it. Uh, a, you know, go between the clouds, right? Either above or below or whatever from my vantage point. Uh, I had a, a perspective of this kooky helicopter. Uh, I remember my dad when I told him, he's like, "Oh, it was just a reflection off the helicopter." No, it wasn't a reflection off the helicopter. The helicopter was really low. This was way up in the air, and I saw it go. You know, kind of through the clouds. Right. You could see it being obstructed and everything. It, it wasn't a balloon because it was it was moving faster than a jet. Uh, so that means more than 500 some miles an hour if you have a jet and even in 2005. And we have uh, in the St. Louis area, we have a military presence and, and so forth. And I've seen I've watched a jet take off and go straight up in the air. You know, they do these vertical, these vertical things. Not, it wasn't that, none of that. It is a ball, literally a ball in the sky that had to be quite large because I saw it, you know, from the ground. And like I said, it had to be about 30,000 feet. This is pre, you know, having a lot of, well, pre having decent cameras on your cell phone. There's no decent camera on a cell phone at this time. And I don't even think I had a cell phone at that point in my pocket, but because my uh, miles was like, why didn't, why the hell you didn't take a picture? You know, why to run in and take picture. I mean, it literally was not even 30 seconds. So younger internet those days, but still internet. And I typed in uh, UFO in the, my area and I found another person who saw it not that far away. So I have corroboration uh, for the day, for the time, for the area. And they uh, reported it to MUFON. At the time, I don't think that it actually exists. It was called UFO Maps or something like that. And it, um, it had it uh, on there and I uh, pulled that down, all that information down. I'm like, yes, I did see something that flew overhead. And 
somebody else saw it as well. And I don't know who this person was. They don't know who I was. We never communicated, nothing like that. But it was just a really quick happenstance. And the weird thing to me at that point in time in 2005, I had never really, though I'm into these things and I watch UFO shows, just like watch ghost shows, um, but never heard of a spherical UFO. Mostly it's all saucer shaped things, right? And so this was this was all new news to me uh, to have anything be spherical like that. And after it happened, I kept pushing the kids and and noted it. And then I went and looked it up later and then talked about it uh, on uh, on our show. I've been made fun of uh, terribly since then if I bring it up. And that's fine. But that's the only one I've ever seen. Now, I, I had a, a good friend of mine who uh, uh, has a psychology background. Oh, well, you love to talk about, you know, you love to look into these things. So you just manifested it. I go, if I was going to manifest it, I would have done it a long time ago, number one. <laughs> and it would have been way cooler. It would have been way cooler. And I would have done it more than one time, right? So, you know, if if I'm have a proclivity to these things, then I would just be inventing them right and left because I'm just as skeptical as you are. It's just that I am uh, more open to the entertainment of it all, I think. One of the more bizarre things that uh, I've witnessed uh, and have no explanation for... So, weirdness aplenty, as uh, William Shakespeare has Hamlet saying, there are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in Horatio's philosophy, specifically, is what he says. And just because there are still plenty of open questions in science, in fact, that's mainly what science is, is, is creating more questions, uh, it doesn't mean that the gloves are off and anything goes uh, as much as I'd love to see a purple flying unicorn that farts rainbows, probably not. Ghosts? Maybe. Big ball UFOs? Maybe. Uh, maybe we'll find out more as the 21st century progresses. Uh, all super interesting stuff. Thank you very much for talking to me today, sir. Oh, thanks for having me. I, I, I'm glad I could share some things and... Uh... And hopefully, you know, I'm not a total uh, convert. I do have uh, skeptical thoughts and uh, hopefully that I'm somewhere in the middle from your clearinghouse here. Yes, right. You're, you're in the aisle with plenty of uh, space on either side. I'd like to thank Mr. Bob Lament, who is the creator and host of the Static Radio podcast and the Everywhere is Haunted YouTube channel. You can find links to both of those and to other things that we talked about in this episode in the episode notes on Podbean. Thank you once again for talking to me today, sir, and thank you everybody out there for listening. Thank you for visiting The Conspiracy Clearinghouse. We're closing now, but we'll open another crate in the next episode. Until then, thank you for listening. Thank you.